Exegesis. Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Countdown to Exegesis, your listen-along Steely Dan podventure. Uh, today we are beginning our rambles through Album 3, the peculiarly, mysteriously named Pretzel Logic, and looking at the opening track, Ricky Don't Lose That Number. Um, for any new listeners who are joining us, uh, my name is Andrew and I'm joined by Ollie, and Ollie is now going to explain the premise of the podcast for you. Every week we take a deep dive into a Steely Dan song with the crucial gimmick that Andrew has not heard much Steely Dan. Well, you've heard a fair bit now. Yeah, but two, two he, albums worth. He is, he is working his way through Steely Dan on a song-by-song basis, and he's only allowed to listen to a song, a new song every week mm-hmm. in chronological order. Um, so now we are three albums in, yep. hit, hitting album three. Um, Andrew started as a, as a very, very much a Steely Dan skeptic. Mm-hmm. Sort of had the, the, uh, the bile of Hades... Reserved for Steely yeah, Dan. Yeah. Um, he's been through two albums now. I, the listeners will want to know how do you feel about Steely Dan now? Or uh, rather, may, may, let me ask it this way: It's been a while since we recorded a proper episode. Yeah. Were you yearning for Dan? No. <laughs> in in a word, I was yearning to listen to the next Dan song so we could talk about it because I enjoy, I do enjoy our little chats. But I haven't, there's been not a single moment over the past six months or whatever where I've thought I would really like to listen to Steely Dan. Even when we meet in real life and we inevitably talk about Steely Dan? Well, I, that just, those moments just uh, fill me with slight sadness that our relationship is now swamped <laughs> by the, the gloopy presence of this band. The wonderful, warm bosom of Steely Dan. Yeah. We are fleas um, on the fur of Dan now. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, my mind is is now just a sort of, um, like an ashtray overflowing with Steely Dan trivia. Like, I know, well, so, I know so much about music that I have no interest in now. Mm, I know all about, but... I know all about who played piano on Fire in the Hole and, um, that's all I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are a, Encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, we we've got to talk about something, which is that we are yeah we are now three seasons in yeah, and really the the first Steely Dan podcast to uh, to hit the airwaves. I mean, is that true? There are a few. There there are a few, but you know when when in the world of Steely Dan podcasting, mm. they say BCTE and ACTE. <laughs> Yeah, because it was so seismic when we entered the scene. Yeah, yeah. And yet we you know, we 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 get we get a decent amount of listeners and we're happy for our listeners, but I think it's about time we uh crawled into the uh upper reaches of poddom, don't you? Uh yeah, yeah. Are you proposing some sort of like brand makeover? Mm, not exactly. Uh I but basically like what is what fuels pods podsess? Pod success, pod success. <laughs> I think what what fuels uh, pod victory is likability, likability of the personalities involved. And no, no, we... you're wrong. No, you're wrong. What fuels podability? Oh God, I think I know what's about to happen. Is you haven't written reviews. a theme tune, have you? Oh no. thank God, I re- I genuinely thought that you were about to play a th- theme tune that you had composed. <laughs> what would be wrong with that? Why, know, why did know, you? Why did your? Why did all your organs sink into your into your stomach as as I saw it? Yeah, I grabbed my stomach as though I'd just been like attacked. Jesus Christ! I mean, talk about a backhanded. It's not even. It's not even a compliment. Just <laughs> it's nice to know what you think about my musical abilities, Andrew. That you visibly re- almost <laughs> wretched at the idea of me composing a theme tune. No, we need reviews because that fuels the algorithms, right? Yes, 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 yes. So I would like to propose something because mm. you can't just say to our listeners, "Give us five star reviews" without anything in return. Sure. For example, it, it, things in return might be, for example, a, a decent podcast. Yeah. But we need we need to know our limits. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I propose that if we get a certain number of five star reviews on, say, iTunes mm-hmm. over the course of this series, I will get a Steely Dan tattoo. For real. For real. Like a, a permanent Steely Dan tattoo. A permanent Steely Dan tattoo. And Andrew, as you well know, my body is an unblemished temple. <laughs> I, I didn't know that actually. Well, it is. Okay. Okay. 
I don't. I have nary a tattoo on my body, mm-hmm. meaning I have none. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So yeah, I mean, I, what what do we say? Like maybe fifty. We're not. You know, we're not fifty five star reviews. You can be bought that cheaply. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and well, the key question for me is, what would the tattoo be of? Well, maybe we could make it a bit more fun by letting you choose. Okay. I will get. A, okay. I will get a tattoo of your choosing. Oh, that's, Steely Dan related. This is this is suicidal. If we get fifty five star reviews, if we get 50. to to fling us catapult us into the uh, into the upper reaches of podcastery with our very very niche podcast have you been on a marketing course uh i've been i've worked in marketing for 10 years is it, is it only just become apparent <laughs> <laughs> well this is the first time we, we we've talked strategy and i think it's quite um it's probably in key, in keeping with the tone of the podcast that we're discussing. Have you it noticed we're, live. we're both stroking our beards as well <laughs> in a sort of like yeah. in a sort of strategistic way yeah or strategic even mm. um i love it i think it's a really great idea i think it would be more uh even more of a pull if it was me who was getting the steely dan tattoo because i would feel such shame okay here we go if we get f- if we get 50 mm-hmm. i'll do it mm-hmm. if we get 70 yeah you have to as well absolutely not there is no there is there's i thought no... you were just volunteering no i was saying that would be more of a pull but my well, don't dangle that carrot and then instantly take it away. <laughs> Look, there's, there's, I, I will never have any tattoo. The very notion of having a Sealy Dan tattoo makes me feel physically ill. I, I always said I'd, I would never have a tattoo, and I, st- I stand by that. But this is what this is what I'm willing to go for for our, um, for our little Lynchian child we've created here. Okay, I'm well. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm motivated. I feel like the energy level in the in the recording has gone up several notches since you well, let, since you threw down that gauntlet. That inky gauntlet. Have a ponder. Mm. Think about what tattoos you might like. Mm. One day, these questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. This, uh, this is a, this is a song. This is a big song. But before we move on to the song, I thought you might want to talk about the album a little bit because, well, especially because when we did our le- our latest bonus episode, which we recorded about a month ago, mm. you were very keen to hear about all the juicy details of th- that surround of this album, all the sort of interband politics, yeah, the, yes, the soap opera stuff, yeah. Um, so I thought we'd just go into uh, just talk about perhaps the logic a little bit. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on this because we've got mm. lots to talk about in the world of Dan. But just a bit of scene setting. So we had we had album one. Uh, what's it called again? <laughs> Can't buy a thrill. <laughs> Can't buy we a had thrill. Can't buy a thrill. Well, you know they're they're kind of enthusiastic amateurs with their with their little band they've assembled. Yeah. Seeing what sticks. Uh, Countdown to ecstasy. The kind of well honed live band by that point playing out these long jams and things. And now we come to uh, Pretzel Logic and the Dan say at this point they're considering themselves to be kind of like they sort of they feel like they've turned pro at this point. Mm. So it's not the it's not the world weary the road weary I should say band of the last album. Now they're back in the studio and they sort of feel like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Crucially for you, okay, Pretzel Logic is the point where Steely Dan changes from the touring band that we've known and loved with all the little characters, your skunk Baxters, your friendly, cuddly Diaz, your Jim Hodder. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and from, from the next album, they are no longer a band. They are a songwriting duo, Becker and Fagan, and they're, you know, they're not on the road anymore. They stopped touring after this album. Mm. Uh, and everyone, everyone leaves from the band. Mm-hmm. So, so this is this is Skunk's last stand. This is Skunk's last stand, and it's also even within this album, the the metamorphosis from young sprightly caterpillar to kind of studio worn butterfly mm. is already happening, right? Because already session players are coming in thick and fast. Yeah. So I saw so, on, I saw on Wikipedia that Jim Hodder is he doesn't play drums on anything. He just does. So Jim Jim Hodder has, or something is basically gone. By now, he's replaced by Jim Gordon. Yeah, on most tracks. I mean, it's a it's a fucking kick in the ass, kick in the teeth rather, mm. to be you know kicked off your own album. Yeah. Although I think he, he went on to do the touring dates, but to be replaced with someone with the same first name. Yeah, brutal. And two syllables in the second name. 
Um, so what, what 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 did Hodder what did he do wrong? Because I think all of his drumming sounds fine to me. I think he's just I I think I guess he just doesn't have the lightness of touch that they're looking for. Because right. you know Jim, we love Jim, especially for his <laughs> creamy voice. Speak for yourself, right? Well, but, his creamy you know, voice he... on Midnight Cruiser, yeah, oh, and Dallas, and Dallas. Oh yeah, that's, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, he, he's a bit of a kind of he's a bit of a sort of drumming a wind up monkey of a drummer, isn't he? Jesus Christ, Ollie, that's absolutely brutal. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's the most savage thing you've ever said. Anyway. Uh, he Sorry, was, I just suddenly uh, I suddenly feel very protective of Hodder because well, he must have been so hurt. Anyway, Hodder is only on backing vocals. Yeah. Now for for Parker's band, that's the only thing he does on the whole album. Jesus. Uh, but he had to do the, he had to do the tour dates. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Fucking hell. Would you like to know what happened to Skunk? I'm sure you would. Absolutely. Skunk quit. Oh, tell me more. Skunk. Tell Skunk me everything. Was uh, apparently. Um, I got this on on a famous what happened on this day famous website doodad like yeah. famous things that happen. Uh, so it's probably bullshit <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it's hard it's it's hardly Encyclopedia Britannica right. But apparently he, on August third, nineteen seventy four, mm. Skunk quit to join the Doobie Brothers on hearing that Becker and Fagan decided to stop touring. Right, so he was in it for the for the gigs. Yeah, so Skunk's out. Skunk Skunk said no thanks. Right, I'm sure Beck and Fagan were like, "Yep, fine." <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as juicy as I was hoping for. No, I know. I was hoping there, I was hoping there'd be some sort of dispute about mm. like splitting the bill in a Chinese restaurant or something. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I knew I was going to let you down mm. with these. And then Denny Diaz, he never really left. Did he not? Diaz would come back to play with them on every album uh, mm. up to Asia from this point on. But was that uh, enthusiastic on Becker and Fagan's part, or was it kind of grudging? I think so. I mean, wait, wait until you hear the demo version of uh, Your Gold Teeth 2 to see how enthusiastic Fagan was about DS's playing. Very, very enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. Anyway, um, so that's that. That's, that's all the juicy goss you were looking for. Can we, just as a sidebar, as they say in the States... Can we just talk very briefly about what Skunk has been up to recently? Oh, because he's uh, he's recently come back on scene, hasn't he? He has. He's he's putting out um, a solo record, his first ever solo record, which is called <laughs> The Speed of Heat. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds like, I don't know, what does it sound like? It sounds like a sort of straight-to-video Vietnam documentary. Or, or like, yeah. or like an instalment of Call of Duty, but it was like focus grouped by a group of children. <laughs> uh, it's such a such a terrible title. Oh, yeah, that's such a skunk title. And the cover mm. is a cover of my old school. Did you say that? No, but it, well, th- th- that's it. So there was all this build up, like, wow, he's going on a solo mission. You know, skunk solo <laughs> mission, <laughs> like yeah. Rambo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, yeah, and then he dropped the first single, and it was basically like a sort of guitar hero version of Mild School. Yeah, uh, and the verse sounds a bit like Green Day or something. He does like it's like dum, 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 I remember, dum, 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 you know. Yeah, he's like Power he's course. like he's like Murker if I did it, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's truly he's... truly dreadful. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to be quite so direct. Um, <laughs> Why? What? What one of our Twitter followers put it really nicely, mm. I thought, which was you know not to not to make light of current events, but it's there's awful shit happening in Ukraine right now, and he said something like, "Just at the point when the world needs weapon dorks, yeah, yeah, like skunk change, <laughs> skunk changes gears, yeah, yeah." I did. I replied to that tweet saying, in all honesty, that when Russia invaded Ukraine, I did wonder what Skunk Baxter thought about it. Oh, I bet he was all. I bet he was. His his loaves were pulling in all sorts of different directions. Yeah, yeah. But I he's a, he's a, he's from a generation that is taught to hate Russia, like from, yeah, yeah. In 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 the genes. He's, you know. he's but probably at the same time, that. some war was happening, so yeah, he's probably excited. <laughs> yeah, he's really pumped up. He's doing power poses mm. in the mirror <laughs> with that fucking sting song on repeat. You know the one about one tear in one eye, but in with the other uh, with the arm. Yeah, yeah. Just raised his guns and crying. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Love him. Well, I'm, I, I can't you know, deny that I'm disappointed that he's chosen to trail the album with a really shit cover of um, Mild School. Because I was hoping for like, you know, like sort of Pink Moon vibes. You know, like... Um, Are you serious? Like sort of reflective... You were holding out for that. Reflective, autumnal, kind of like 3am campfire, campfire meditations. You know? uh, yeah, I think... I mean, there's some parallel universe where that's happened, but yeah. uh, it's it's one in infinity. I don't think, you know, I don't think there's much chance of that happening. It would be great, though, wouldn't it? Just some sort of left turn, but instead he chooses to just do... He's, he's just like, this is my legacy, I'm just going to flog it a bit. Do you, Would you expect anything else? Yes, I, inspe- I, I dudes expect... Are, dudes are dyed-in-the-wool conservative. He does, he, he does the formula because the formula works. Yeah, well, it's. I think it's disappointing that he, have they, he has failed to grow. Have they? Have they? Uh, <laughs> he's grown into one of the world's premier uh, <laughs> experts in homing missiles. Yeah, thank you very much. One of the hairiest. You, uh, one of the hairiest hawks uh, going. Uh, uh, have they released a track list? Mm, I don't think so. Because no, um, I'd be interested to see if any songs are original. Because that's what we're here for. We're here for the originals. There's probably we? there's probably just one that's like some sort of elegy for. The Americans pulling out of Afghanistan, like a really sort of like tender lament, like uh, mm. saying terrible things about Joe Biden, but in a really like hushed, like uh, sad tone. It still has a kick in soul though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can imagine it. Um, anyway, should we get back to uh, the thing I'm holding up right now? This 12 inch long thing I'm holding up right now. Yeah, yeah. Ollie I'm is holding, holding up. up a copy of Pretzel Logic, and he's being—he's being a smutty, a smutty boy. <laughs> so look, okay, basically Pretzel Logic—it's kind of their commercial album. That's the way to see it. And what I've claimed for every album so far is that this is kind of Steely Dan's most diverse album. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, which I'm going to claim again about Pretzel Logic, but it's all in different sort of ways, right? So, you know, the first album is them trying shit because they're new to it. The second album is kind of like, ooh, we've got a fiery band. Let's shoot in different directions and see what they can do. This one's more like we've we've got our songwriting chops and we're going back and seeing and sort of seeing where we can take our songwriting mm. a little bit. Yeah. So there's lots of little experiments on this album. It was deliberately written as a commercial response to Countdown to Ecstasy. Right. Because the label had said, songs are too long, can't find a single, give us something that the public can snaffle up from the uh, right. the trough of hits. So, uh, yeah, as Donald said, uh, the record company was starting to get annoyed with us because they couldn't get a single off Countdown to Ecstasy. The only thing we did was tighten up the arrangements. That's what he. That's the way he put it. He was kind of being a bit dismissive about the fact it was a it was a commercial thing. But you can feel that. Like, you've gone from these like sprawling seven-minute songs on Countdown to Ecstasy to... Basically, like the longest song here is maybe the one that we're looking at right now. Right, and only because of that fucking p- silly percussion bit at the beginning. That adds about forty seconds, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, so that's quite long. But also, um, the, the songs on side two, which are like fucking one minute long. Right. You know, they're really. It's quite. It's a bit like Steely Dan does "Guided by Voices." Mm, I've perked you know? up now. <laughs> when yeah, you said that, I suddenly, I suddenly of... cheered up. Yeah, um, so it's it's uh, it's an interesting album. Uh, it's often considered. I remember a few years ago, where, you know, a few years ago when I was getting this Steely Dan. We're probably talking about fifteen years ago now. Mm. So Pretzel Logic was kind of. I felt like the default best. This was what I've, all the uh, all the big pop books said. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. all allmusic.com was like five stars. Pretzel Logic, whatever. Yeah, I feel that's changed recently and pretzel logic's kind of being reevaluated a little bit mm. as not exactly a misfire but uh, it doesn't hit the heady heights in critical circles that it used to um, right so uh, and my own feelings about it have kind of are kind of the same like i when i was going on my dan odyssey to begin with i really really liked pretzel logic mm. and now it's not one that i put on that much yeah um, but I think it has. It's an album of really high highs, and um, and the lows are, if anything, usually interesting. So, okay, uh, don't know what you think about that. Does that give you any? I mean, you haven't heard anything yet. But... No. Well, I, yeah. Um, I like the idea of them doing short songs because I thought Countdown to Ecstasy was marred for me by like bloat, studio bloat. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. Body Sapphire, it's just too long. So yeah. Can, well, like, you know, I disagree, but I, I can see why you think that. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of people say the same from what I see. So yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to like a minute long, you know, 
quick musical idea sketch from the yeah, from that's the, kind from of the that's kind of what we're looking at. But then it's not like they're underdeveloped because we have because it's like the songs with like orchestra, but it's like a minute, and then we have you know we've got little sort of country rock songs and yeah, a Christmas song, a Christmas song, yeah, really, yeah. Steely Dan's Christmas song is on this album. What, which is that? What's it called? I'm not telling you yet. You're Are you being serious? I'm you... being 100% serious. It's not April Fool's Day anymore, is it? It's the third. No, it's the second, but no. <laughs> um, well, I, oh, I'll tell you something that, that has um, excited me to a small degree. is About this album or just generally what's happening? <laughs> about this album is that I saw friend of the show, uh, Ben Jones, yesterday evening. Um, we went to a gig together mm-hmm. and... Uh, that he loves Pretzel Logic. Um, he told me that there is a very Dylan-esque number coming up. Oh, for sure. And so I'm really looking forward to being incredibly sniffy about this so-called Dylan-esque song and and sort of constructing straw man arguments so that it can never possibly be as good as Dylan. I'm really looking it's, forward to that episode. That is the sort of that is the sort of thing you love doing, isn't it? <laughs> Down to a T. Yeah. Um, this is. Uh, I, I assume he's talking about Barrytown, uh, which is which is yeah the most the most obju- the most like obviously Dylan mm. um, uh, pastiche in the, in the whole catalogue. I think. Can't wait! Can't wait to see them fuck it. Oh my god, you are going to love Barrytown. Don't even. But we're not here to talk Barrytown. We're here to talk Ricky. Don't lose that number. Yeah. Which was the first single off Pretzel Logic and the most successful single of Steely Dan's career. At least in the US. So this peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100. So we've gone from, you know, uh, a couple of albums, first album, a couple of hits, second album, not really. And then suddenly, boom, we're, we've, we're on the biggest song Steely Dan ever did. Yeah. Does it feel monumental? <laughs> this moment? In rock history? In pod, pod history? In pod history? No, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I can see why it was a hit. It's very, it's a very catchy, likable song. I would say it wasn't a hit in the UK. It only reached mm. number fifty-eight. Uh, just to you know mention, because this is always called the biggest song of Steely Dan's career. I believe Haitian Divorce was the biggest hit here for the record, uh, which made the top twenty. Okay. Um, this song uh, is has it's got two. I usually I do cover versions. Really, too many to mention. I'll I'll, I'll shoot through a few. Right, mm. Kenji Amora, Botticelli and his orchestra, Tom Robinson, Hank Marvin, Far Corporation, Chuck Loeb, uh, the best. Have you heard of the best? No. The best is Skunk Supergroup with Keith Emerson and John Enwit. John Enwistle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just going to queue that up in a separate tab. Can you? Yeah, the best. It's not the best name. I mean, it is the best name, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a live version here. Fantastic. I haven't actually listened to it. Oh, I can't wait. Um, did you say Tom Robinson? Tom Robinson did a version. Yeah. The two four six eight motorway guy. Yeah, and gl- glad to be gay. Glad to be gay. Glad to be a six music DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how it goes, I believe. Some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yo, Jay-Z, look out. What do you think Don and Walter think of this song? So, from what I've gathered from the last two series, they are contrarians. Mm-hmm. So they probably think that it's like a, a pot boiler. You know, it's like a slight crowd pleaser. So they were, that they the, the, the big wigs at ABC strong-armed them into doing like a pop trifle. <laughs> Uh, historically, Walter and I aren't that fond of Ricky Don't Lose That Number for some reason. <laughs> Not that it's a bad song. I think that it's, quote, well written. But I guess that's because it's so simple that it has a more of a listening fatigue. Right. Uh, he's saying that also, about his own, his own song. Yeah. And he also says, uh, they also, he also says in another interview that it's one of their least favourites. Right. But Gary Cat said, that was a successful song when it came out great. <laughs> We started using him uh, for percussion and also for piano and fives. Piano and fives. 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 Piano and fives. Fives. My vibe is one word. Great. But not great. But just like, great. It's like, great. As in, as in, sli- as in, better than fine. Better than fine, but not quite exceptional. It's like 
this is what I wanted. This is the this, this is all the elements of Steely Dan that I've enjoyed in a small uh, package. Mm. I think it's great, but I think it's I think it's great. You know, I don't think it's great. Well, you know, that would be asking too much of you, wouldn't it, to actually admit that you like are appreciating a Steely Dan song I because have... <laughs> because it brings together the elements previously seen, which you've scoffed at. I'm 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 telling you straight from the hip. I like this song. I think it's very good. Good. Uh, my vibe mm. is the first Steely Dan song Steely Dan ever wrote. And you might recognise that from God, uh, a conversation we had at uh, last weekend. No, I don't. Board. I don't. Well, I said that and I was like, "Oh, that's good." <laughs> I'm going to keep I'm going to use that in the podcast. Right. So, I've just plucked I've just plucked that from memory because I remember that I didn't write a vibe. There we go. The first Steely Dan song Steely Dan ever wrote. Very good. And what I mean by that is that it's the first Steely Dan song that Steely Dan ever wrote. Mm. No, what I mean you could is say that. it kind of it kind of coalesces the Dan that we'll hear for the next, at least you know the next album or yeah. so. They they went off in different directions on later, but but yeah, this is this feels like the classic Dan song is um, all of a sudden coalesced into basically like a song that is the flagship of the classic Steely Dan sound. Mm. So if you've been wondering what we've been building to in terms of what you might not go, well, this is well, this album's kind of a bit of a start, and this album's a bit different. This, a... this is it. This is like Erdan. This is it. Yeah, this is this is what it's. Uh, this is what we've got ahead. Going around my head is that Peggy Lee song. Is that all there is? You know that sort of. Is that oh. all there is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like well, right. So know, here we are. Here we are on the the grand summit of steely dan world and the view at our feet is fucking ricky don't lose that number which is like and a, a pretty good pop song that's it come on i know that you really like this song no i do just, i, I really like just being a contrarianism mism I'm, I'm not being contrary what i'm saying is this is a great song i would listen to this for pleasure however if this is the best if this is if this is it if this is like the no. the, the apotheosis no. No, 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 that's not, that's not what I said. I said it was a flagship. It's a flagship because it's popular and it's well known. And it does kind of speak of all, like you say, all the stuff they've been doing before coalesced into one shiny pop nugget. However, I didn't say this is the best song. I never said this is the best. Okay. This is just indicative of the style going forward Mm. for a little while. So this is what, this is kind of what they've been uh, working towards as they develop their songwriting, mm. and this is the this is this is the sort of furrow they will be. Uh, so they were like be... they were like right, what's working for us? We've got studio perfectionism, we've got Latin style grooves, we've got cross generic uh, experimentation, we've got casual misogyny. Let's take all those things. Let's take all those things and put them together into one shiny bauble of a song. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. or less. I might, I might argue some of the details there, but mm. yeah, 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 yeah. That's more or less it. Yeah. <laughs> I I started maybe doing more of the music, the music, the music. So, so it was a more complex the music after a while. The music. Hey, it's it's gonna be boring if the, if. We don't add some some rubby rubby notes. What do you think of that intro, Andrew? The what is it? Is it a marimba or something? Oh, um, it's a. Uh, I can tell you this. It is a flapamba. Oh, flapamba. A flapamba, um, mm. which is a marimba-like instrument, I believe, uh, and it's played by Victor Feldman, our old friend, yeah. who did percussion on various things, mm-hmm. including do it again. British uh, jazz musician. And Razor Boy. He played Marimba on Razor Boy. Are you impressed? Well remembered. Yeah, very good. And oh. on Showbiz Kids. I'd pat your head if we weren't in different places. Yeah. And if you wouldn't possibly bite my fingers. <laughs> yeah, and I would, <laughs> and I would <laughs> wince. <laughs> um, okay, so that's uh, Wilson Pickett, what's he called? Victor Feldman on the Not- Flat Amber. <laughs> nice, nice ambient intro. Yeah, and it then, is slightly then... annoying because I put it on loop. To prepare for this, and it was kind of irritating having to hear that little. Well, it was cut from the single version. Mm, quite right too. Uh, but what I actually meant is the uh, is the famous. We've done a sort of round. 
do, um, do you want me to say where it's from? I do. That is exactly where I'm leading you. It's from a Horace Silver composition called Songs My Daddy Taught Me. What's it called? <laughs> What's it called? Songs from My Father's Knee. It's something like Songs that. Songs for it? My Father. That's Songs Song for, for My Father. Song, Song for My Father, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah. I do have that album and it is it is very good. But I wouldn't have I wouldn't have um spotted the quotation. Do you think it's do you consider it a steal? That's what I want to know. Uh I think it's just a, it's... just to give a bit of context here, this is widely considered like this is a take on that Horace Silver song. That's mm. why we're talking about it. Like um the Steely, Steely Dan were never sued for it or anything, but it's considered a sort of jazzy uh nod, as jazz men would often nod to other jazz men. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um you know, it's uh, uh, it's 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 considered a a, a, a little interpolation. Yeah. But do you do you think that was a conscious thing? Yeah, I you think do. it's a it's a homage, isn't it? Yeah, but you see, because basically what you what you've got, as far as I can tell, it's like a roots and fifth. It's a root and fifth sort of yeah. thing, isn't it? Boom, boom, boom. And if you if you stuck, if you get put a bass in my hand and said, here's a sort of Latinish tangoish sort of groove. Mm. Um, at play with some roots and fifths. That's exactly what I might choose to do. Yeah, but the rhythm's the same, isn't it? It's not like it, it is like a direct lift. But I mean, it's not. It, it's iconic in both regards. It, when when uh, uh, Horace Silver did it, is that his name? Yeah. Um, yeah, when Horace Silver did it, and when the Dan did it, you know, it's, it's quite recognisable. But I don't think it's. I don't think it's impossible for them to have come up with that. No, it could be a my sweet lord scenario. Fagan said that he met Horace Silver and he said that Horace Silver was flattered. He said he said he hadn't been thinking of the Horace Silver piece when he wrote it, but that he met Horace Silver and Horace Silver was very nice and was very flattered. Mm. I've, I've realised I forgot to tell you who's playing on this song because what's interesting about who's playing on this song is that uh, none of the original band are playing, apart from Skrunk Baxter mm. and, of course, Becker and Fagan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, already we're getting into session only sort of things. And I think you can hear the difference. Oh, another blow for Hodder. Uh, so we've got Jim Gordon on drums, yeah. uh, Walter Becker on bass, Dean Parks on acoustic guitar, Jeff Baxter plays a solo, uh, Michael O'Martian, I think you pronounce it, on piano, um, obviously Victor Feldman on percussion, and uh, are you sitting down? <laughs> yes. Hold on to your seat. On backing vocals. David Palmer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice to have He's him back. back. Yeah. The Elfin King of Yacht Rock. Yeah. Is back uh, from obviously a full member, just for context, on album one, uh, unceremoniously booted from the band mm-hmm. to be replaced with Donald Fagan's Creaky Pipes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's back. He's back doing backer vocals. On oh, nice. Song, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good to, good to have a reappearance from Palms. It's, it's not quite. Notably... As, it's not surprising as what I was when you said "hold on to your seat." I thought it was going to oh, be like because you love Palmer. I do love Palmer, but I thought you were going to say like Robert Fripp or something like completely, no, completely no, bizarre. Just, I thought you'd be delighted to hear that that Palmy Cakes is back. I'm pleased that Palmy Cakes is back. I am saddened to think of Denny Diaz sitting in the corner. Butterfly feet, Palmer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the little dancing boy. Yeah, but you know Diaz, he's there doing the crosswords. You know, just watching. <laughs> Watching the band that he formed, <laughs> like doing this absolutely. That's true, actually. You're quite right. Actually, Dias doesn't appear. Yeah, well, I kind of said that, but yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, no Dias. But it must be like you know watching Donald Fagan fuck his wife. You know, do, do you know what I mean? Like that mm. <laughs> he's been he's been musically cucked, as they'd say on Reddit nowadays. Yeah, let's not let's not use that term. <laughs> But um, I thought this song, I thought the voices sounded notably silky, and I was delighted to learn that Palmer had uh, yeah. returned from his travels down Dingley Dell. Yeah, yeah, and was was back was back with the band momentarily. That's nice with bells on his shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, great. And you said that uh, Skunk does the solo. Yep. Does he also do the little fill on the chorus? Does he play I'm all the way? Does so, he play all the way through? He's just listed a solo guitar, but he's the only he's the only guitar player listed apart from the acoustic guitar player. Right. So I'm guessing it's all skunk. Okay, because true to form, my favourite thing about this song, the bit that I'm always waiting for, is the little country rock fill on the chorus. 
when it kicks in, because the chorus kind of comes in two sections, doesn't it? So you've got like a lighter chorus and then it ramps up and it kind of goes... Yeah, that bit, yeah, yeah. But it's it's yeah. kind of, it, it feels like country-ish. It's like... Mm. Whatever. Well, now we're on the subject, what do you think of the solo? I quite like it. I don't think it's as good as all that. It's a famous solo, this one. It's got a lightness of touch, which mm. is uh, unusual for Skunk. I would say, and we're we're big fans of skunks playing here. Oh, but you'd hear you'd hear something like, you might think that's a you might think that's Denny. It's so it's so light and jazzy and fluttery. Yeah, yeah. You'd you'd think so. I you know I would think this is a Denny solo, but no, it's it's skunk getting in touch with his lighter side, and that's a lovely thing to hear. The the piano playing. Talk to me about the piano playing. Uh, it is very nice. I never knew it wasn't Fagan. So wh- whoever this, uh, I always loved it. Whoever this Michael O'Martian or Michael O'Martian or however you pronounce his name, whoever he is, um, I think he does an absolutely stellar job. Mm. And I suppose there is something, you know, we're uh, joshing, I guess, about uh, Becker and Fagan being ruthless and sidelining the other band members. But they, I'm not but... joshing about that. You are. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to take pleasure where I can. Uh, but uh, you know, also Fagan here, he sidelined himself. Well, yeah. Absolutely. So that shows they're so quite sh- happy to. So I guess it's, that, it's, that shows it is like a, a sort of uh, idealist in service of the Sonics. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and there is a difference of expression on this song compared to Fagan. Yeah, and his playing, I think. And the whole thing just feels lovely and watery and silky. It's like a watercolour painting of a song. Mm. Don't you think? With all this <laughs> it's just little jazzy flourishes dancing around. Yeah. It's like it's like sticking your face in a pool of like watercolour sludge mm. slurry. And yeah, you're, watching you're, little, you're losing me with this uh... little glow worms flutter around. Yeah. In front of your face. I'm getting such deja vu. I'm sure you've used this fluttering, <laughs> <laughs> fluttering, painted moth dance before. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I like it a lot. But one thing that I like about it is that the verse sounds a bit like Carol King or something. Like, you got your jazz introduction, you got your jazzy chords on the chorus, but actually the verse is like pop, isn't it? It's like James Taylor or something, or mm, Carol King, like mm-hmm. classic... Classics, Elton John chords, but with a but with a lightness of touch that I'm, that I'm not saying Carol King doesn't have uh, or didn't have, but um, the uh, yeah it's it's pop but it's very gentle yeah and they and w- one thing I really like about this song is how the dynamics ramp up yeah in sort of unexpected ways yeah yeah yeah. <clears throat> so, if, and and it's usually introduced by like a nice little figure. So, so we go from kind of verse to chorus with boom, 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 boom. Uh, yeah, that's I, great. I can't yeah, actually yeah. sing that, um, which is a bit like <laughs> it's not that. It's a it? bit like Cuban jazz. Uh, I'm not a Cuban jazz expert, but it sounds a bit like the sort of thing Orchestra Biobab would do. Oh, and they were kind of they were kind of Cuban jazz influenced players, right? Yeah. Um, and then from and then the chorus happens and then we go from the chorus to like a bigger chorus. Yeah. When suddenly it's kind of rock rhythm and that's introduced that's where I assume you're saying that, that little country lick comes in. Yeah. They do yeah, very clever little dynamic song because it seems to go it seems to constantly take leaps up dynamically when you don't expect it. Yeah. To be able to yeah. find ways to. It's very nice. It's very it's really good. And and because it's really good, I feel I don't have very much to say about it. No, I do feel like I'm really, you know, I'm really kind of pulling you along on a lead here to yeah towards kind of positive <laughs> musical exegesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's like Morrissey sang, you know, it's so easy to laugh, it's so easy to hate. It takes guts to be gentle and kind, and maybe I don't have the guts, Ollie. Maybe I don't have, maybe I don't have the damn guts. <laughs> <laughs> say, say three nice things okay. about this song that I haven't already touched on. Ooh, okay. Number one. Uh, the 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 little uh, Cuban jazz phrase that you mention mm-hmm. just before the chorus is cool because it drops a bar. So it's like you imagine it's gonna go, Duh, and you could have a change of heart, Duh, and you could have a change of heart. Ricky, don't you know what I mean? 
four bars. Yeah. But it does. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. You could have a change of heart. One, two, three, four. Ricky. So it's like it sort of catches you off guard in a. a, a yeah, I guess it does. In a pleasing way. Um, so that's good. Yeah. Um, mm. Another good thing about this song is its uh, brevity. Uh, and a third good thing about this song, sonically, is the the vibe. Just just the vibe. Oh come on! So that was out. that was weak, wasn't it? Um, it's great. <laughs> Thirdly and finally, it's an absolute slap. This is this is you've become full whispering Bob Harris with this song. <laughs> yeah, just great. Fantastic. This next band, great. Excellent. Uh, I've, I've got an excellent thing for you now. Mm. Uh, this is our segment called San Francisco Show and Tell, which we introduced last series, and there's been nothing but a resounding success. But just to explain, uh, each week one of us will bring in something related to the song for the other to just look at and feel and fondle and enjoy. Mm. So this week I have been looking at the lyrics of Ricky Don't Lose That Number. Mm. And the context and the history behind the song, and there's a lot of debate about exactly who Ricky is. Mm-hmm. We won't get into that now, but also, sort of like, what's the number? And if it is autobiographical, kind of what happened? Yeah. Did Ricky lose the number? That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought, how better to do that than <laughs> by doing a scientific study? Okay. Just basically to find out if Rickies are likely to lose numbers. I don't think you're the right man for the job. So You're not a scientist. No, I, but I know the scientific method. So what I've done <laughs> is I have a friend called Ricky, and I gave him a number. Right. And I, we're going to find out if he's lost it. So this is a few weeks ago. I, gave, I called my friend Ricky, mm-hmm. and I gave him a number. Mm-hmm. Now, I, admittedly, it's a sample size of one, so I would have liked a bigger pool of Rickies. Sure, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To, te- to I test. Thought you, I thought you said you knew the scientific method. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit that there's flaws in this my is methodology. Like, this is like fucking Soviet agricultural <laughs> science, where they just would, like, you know, put some <laughs> magic fertiliser on one field and then be like, <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> send it to all the villages. So what we're going to do is we're going to call Ricky back. Mm-hmm. So this was this is now bloody three or four weeks ago that I first called Ricky. So let's find out if he's remember, remembered the number, and then we can say once and for all whether Ricky in the song remembered the number or not. You see how this is working? I, I see. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, because it's a study. I mean, it's, a sci- it's in science. Yeah, at work. I have never thought of myself as having a scientific mind. But this conversation is making me feel like fucking Einstein. Like, <laughs> this is this will prove nothing. Let's talk to Ricky. As well, you know. <laughs> but all right, let's have a let's let's have a chat with Ricky. This is shocking. Did he agree? Did he agree to be called? We knew I'd be calling him at a later date. Well, yeah, but you can't, you can't expect him to have it to be <laughs> just waiting for you to call him. That's a squib. That is that is pitiful. We were going to find out the truth behind the song. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could try again later. Okay, let's see if Ricky phones back. Yeah. Um, it could be the, it could be the best thing to happen to the lyric segment. <laughs> As we're like flapping around in the in the weeds. Somehow we we got into writing these like vaguely sadomasochistic uh, lyrics. <laughs> um, not that either of us were really involved in anything like that, but. It, it, <laughs> It just, it seemed like uh, fresh material, you know? Yeah. Okay, lyrics then. Kick me off with lyrics. Well, I think that this is a nice lyric. Ah, Um, you've so got me, like, trained like a beaten dog. (laughs) No, I'm the beaten dog in this. I'm the beaten dog because because you get me, you give me a little, you give me one little, you say, like, a nice thing. Yeah. And my tail starts wagging. Yeah, yeah. 
I go all bright eyed and like, oh, Andrew likes a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were about to, you were about to shoot it down. No, I'm not about to shoot it down. You were about to give me a dog biscuit and then kick me up the arse. <laughs> kick you in the balls. <laughs> I, I think it's nice because it is nice. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I just think it's like a solid, a solid lyric about a common experience with some oh, nice geez. little details. Well, what's the common experience? You, you. you, you Go on a date or a couple of dates with uh, with somebody. They then ghost you. She's, they fucking she's, she's off. They don't pick up your calls. That's what they. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think the reason I like this lyric is because of one line. Shoot. We could stay inside and play games. I don't know. You like that lyric? I love that line because right. it's because it's it's like. As I understand it, he's saying he's basically trying to coax her. He's trying to figure out why she doesn't want to sleep with him. Or yeah, okay. Or like, why did she go? Um, you know, and it's kind of like he's trying. <gasps> Pause everything. Stop yeah. everything. R- Ricky's back. Ricky's on the line. Ricky. Oh. Sorry, miss your call. It's okay. I'm, we're so glad to have you. Yes, yes, definitely. You, you are live uh, on air with Countdown to Exegesis, the uh, the premier Steely Dan podcast in the whole of the West Midlands. Yes, um, serious business. What, do you do you remember the number? I sh- we should clear uh, up first of all. Uh, I've already down a piece of paper. One sec, let me see. That's a shopping list. That's a receipt. That's a card. Oh, I've read it somewhere. Oh. I'm afraid I've lost it. I think. Oh my god! No, it's gone to the ether. I'm sorry. Well, look, that's... I had it so carefully read. No, no, wait! I found it. I found it. I found it. It's on the back of something. The number is seven four zero eight nine one two. That is absolutely correct. What a roller coaster! <laughs> what a roller coaster! <laughs> oh, excellent, Ricky. Well then. Yes. Have you heard the song Ricky Don't Lose That Number by Steely Dan? Yes, of course. Does this all make sense now? Yes. Do, do you like that song? Oh, of course. Steely Dan, wonderful, yeah. Oh, there we go. One of my like premier bands named after uh, an erotic toy from a William Burroughs story, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also, they wrote a song named after you, sort of. Yes, specifically, <laughs> retroactively, yes. <laughs> Great. Um, Ricky, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Ricky came through. He did. He did come through. So, Ricky, that tells us now that there was a happy ending to the song. <laughs> such, such, <laughs> so, a, it's so silly, Ollie. It's, it's, if it's we, so we silly. look, I look. <laughs> It's it's better. Is it better to just assume if if we don't have the sort of pool of say two hundred Rickies we'd need to mm. get a class a good scientific <laughs> tested result? Yeah, one one Rick is better than nothing, isn't it? No, no, I know, but just yes, it is. Lyrics, lyrics. Why do why why sit and play games? Did we get to the bottom of that? I just think it's quite sweet because it's like it's like he's he's uh, trying to lure her back with his words and his wit, mm-hmm. but all he can think of as an invitation is to stay inside and play games. You know, it's kind of bashful, yeah. a little embarrassed. You know, like I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's unexpectedly uh, sweet for mm. you know. Well, I was going to say you're giving Fagan credit with not being a lecherous slimeball. <laughs> yeah, but I think that so. I think overall, I like the lyric because it's like a simple situation, simple, relatable situation expressed well with some nice little turns of phrase. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some unfortunate 1970s, you know, mildly misogynistic details. Well, let's get into that. And let's, um, in a moment, let's let's return to that. And I'd like to return to that lyric as well. Mm. But, oh, you just turned, took your glasses off while I was... Like looking away, and it looked like you'd grown a different face. Oh, well, I was just cleaning them. <laughs> um, first of all, let's mm. ask the question: Who is Ricky? So, so basically, you know, lay out this song. Seems to me, and it seems to you, it seems this is a song of um, yeah, like like uh, they've had an encounter. However, here the the lyricist, the speaker, the mm. what do you call it, hero, 
<laughs> narrator? A narrator, that's yeah. the word. Um, the, li- the, the lyric a, I. Has, has had an encounter with a lady, mm-hmm. and he's saying, I gave you my number, but just hang on to it, because maybe one day yeah. things will be nice and you'll change your mind yeah. and we can have we can have beautiful babies mm. with fagan faces <laughs> um, yeah uh but this has this song you know very i like it like you say relatable simple song about simple things mm. right this has the most fucking out there readings oh really of all of so many of, of i won't say of all steely dan songs but it ranks up there wow um so there's a lot of kind of queer readings of the song out there, um, mm-hmm. I guess because Ricky is uh, often a man's name. Yeah, Ricky Martin. Although it's yeah, yeah. Ricky, who we just spoke to. Yeah, Ricky. Don't um, lose although we'll that, probably cut uh, that because he probably doesn't want his full name read out on a on the, we on can, the podcast. We can, we can bleep it. Yeah. Um, so because uh, because there's some lines in there that could kind of hint at uh, sexual sexuality confusion. Mm. Um, is Ricky Martin gay? I don't know. It's kind of not. It's kind of off topic. To be honest. <laughs> well, no, it's because I was thinking, if Ricky Martin covered this song, he could call it "Ricky Don't Lose That Rumba," and it could be like a, like a sort of a Latin show tune number. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, I guess things like and you could have a change of heart is like it, you could could be read as <laughs> as 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 a sort of gay man trying to. Yeah, quote unquote, turn uh, yeah. a, a straight or, or confused man. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, it, there's lots of people say it's a drug song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's based on the idea of a number being yeah. drug slang. I, yeah. I don't know that really. Yeah, there's a Neil Young song called "Roll Another Number for the Road," so I think uh, it's like. Um, so maybe their post Ricky has been given a big bifter by Fagan. <laughs> well, that, this, a lot of people are saying this, so. Uh, I'll, I'll quote. I'll read your quote from a CompuServe interview. Sorry to interrupt, but before you before you read this, why would you post yourself a doobie? Well, I think this is all after the fact bullshit, basically. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I I read something that was like it was a safe way to send yourself to get to like transport drugs. What in what universe? Is the the Before, US postal service like, postal checks were <laughs> right, yeah. yeah well <laughs> uh, well this is what I mean it's absolute after the fact um, grasping mm. at straws to make your interpretation you, um, make sense if um, you order drugs off Silk Road yeah do they send it's, it this like <laughs> <laughs> do they post it to you like when you if you order a sex toy like it comes in a sort of plain. I, like I wouldn't brown, know. Brown, I, I, I brown haven't done it. <laughs> like, because it can't say on the front, like, you know, yeah. premium grade heroin or whatever. Well, look, I do actually know uh, one instance of how drugs were sent that were bought online, but I, I, I don't want to talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it off the podcast. Um, in a Game Boy cartridge is the one I saw. Right. In, in a hollowed out Game Boy cartridge. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think they'd go to some lengths to try and disguise it. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, so this CompuServe interview, uh, someone called Barney asks uh, Becker and Fagan, your classic Ricky Don't Lose That Number is the lyric a plea on the part of a friend of a heroin abuser that she should call him if she needs to kick the habit and the urge to use grows too great. And then Walter Becker says, <laughs> of all the ultra... Interpretations of the lyrics to Ricky, that is the most boring yet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fun guy. Um, yeah, don't you love his imagine, tone? Imagine Christmas dinner with <laughs> Walter Becker. <laughs> but, um, but there's been many suggested Rickies as well. Uh, who, you know, who is this song written about? Um, again, assuming autobiography. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, we don't know that's the case. So Ricky Lee Jones mm-hmm. um, is one. As as Walter Becker points out, it wasn't Ricky. It wasn't written for Ricky Lee Jones. Nobody had any idea there was a Ricky Lee Jones at that time. That's his word. Okay. Um, she didn't release her first album until five years later. Right. Uh, session guitarist Rick Derringer, the slide guitarist on Showbiz Kids. Yeah, who's played on a, Are you on, a, on a cut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't Eric sound it. Clapton. Eric Clapton, because of the slow hand. 
Because of Slowhand Row in the lyrics, I, did, I guess. I did wonder maybe. whether that was a Clapton reference. But I don't know what yeah. the, I don't know what the reference would be. Like, let's go and let's go for a drive, listening to some shit uh, blues rock. <laughs> Richard Nixon, someone mm-hmm. said, and what I see as the most likely candidate is someone called Ricky Ducornet or Ducornet. Right. So she was the wife of a professor at Bard College, um, and apparently mm. uh, Don did give her his number at a party. Right. And how many sweet would goodbyes? You, well, would you like to hear what she said? Um, I'm not going to try and do a lady voice. Is this what she said during the court case? <laughs> she said in a in Entertainment Weekly article, um, I remember we had a great conversation and he, he did suggest I call him, which never happened. So there's your answer. But I know he thought I was cute. And I was cute. I was very tempted to call him, but I thought it might be a bit risky. I was very enchanted with him and with the music. It was so evident from the get-go that he was wildly talented. Being a young faculty wife, and I believe pregnant at the time, I behaved myself, let's say. Mm. Years later, I walked into a record store and heard his voice and thought, that's Fagan, and that's my name. So, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, that sounds very plausible. That's That just wraps it up, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, you folded your arms after you read that, as if to say, yeah. enough said. But there was a Ricky. If I was, if, there was a number, and they exchanged pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I was Ricky Ducornet, and I walked into that record store, and I heard this song, mm. I'd be like, Donald, we had a lovely flirty time, and we swapped numbers, and then I didn't call you. Why are you telling me that uh, I don't even know my mind? You <laughs> massive douchebag! Why? Why are you assuming that I scared myself? Whether, well, when actually I just didn't want to, I just you, didn't want to, you know. Didn't you've you've changed you. your tune because a minute ago you were saying, "Well, isn't this nice?" Like Fagus just <laughs> suggesting they go and go for a drive and play games, and suddenly he's this, he's back to being this misogynistic monster. Like well, what's no, happened? I think it's a it's a, a mixture of the two, isn't it? He's a you know, he's been spurned, and part of him is is all you know. He's pining for those tender kisses among the library shelves or whatever. Um, and it sounds like it never even got that far. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do, I do think there is a reframing of the paradynamics here, because if he's if he's at if if he's kind of in awe of this faculty wife, mm. um, who I'm calling her like a faculty wife dismissively. <laughs> yeah. She's now a she's now a respected novelist, and mm. and I'm sure a very very talented woman in her own right, um, yeah, or, or person even you know. Yeah, or person. Um, she, uh, you know, and 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 suddenly, like Fagan's like the big rock star, and it, the, the dynamics are flipped, and suddenly you get sort of presumptuous lines like, "You tell yourself you're not my kind, but you don't even know your mind." The thing I always think with lines like that, because it really reminds me of uh, like an Elvis Costello middle eight. I can I can really imagine Elvis Costello singing those lines. Those lo- like, the like like melodically speaking, melodically, but or... also the the, to- the sort of vicious tone. Yeah. You know? And the thing I was... well, I wouldn't call it vicious because it's not delivered viciously, but there is a sort of presumptuous, commanding quality to the lyrics, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and the thing that you said, I guess you kind of scared yourself. So it's like, yes. oh, you you weren't interested because I was such a like a magnificent, imposing <laughs> rock star of a man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You saw me play some boogie woogie <laughs> at two a.m. on a battered old piano in the college bar, and you just got scared. You just got scared of old Don, Donny Fags and his chops. It is wit, um, but you um, know. I think. Uh, uh, well, well, okay. One last thing, just just to you know, creak open Pandora's box a little further. Mm. Uh, you mentioned the slow hand row. We could we could go out driving on a slow hand row. We could stay inside and play games. I don't know. Yeah. Do you not think that those lines have a sort of they could have a bit bit of a sexual reading? Yeah, play as games well? for sure. And slow hand row, like you know, doing slow <laughs> things with your hands. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> that was a horrible vibe. It sounds like it sounds like a lover's lane to me. Yeah, um, I hope that's it because if it is a Clapton reference, that's like the least sexy thing possible. Like if you wanted to stop anybody from experiencing sexual pleasure, just mention Eric Clapton, really. Or better still, this, you speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just think. He's... Oh, I've just heard a, I've just heard a great Clapton number in the midst. Um... Yeah, yeah. Imagine if you started. Imagine if you if you've you've been waiting for ages, like you really fancy this person, and like finally you're kissing, right? 
your lips meet, and then suddenly you hear. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. Get your expectations up for a, a song about a bunch of losers. Do you have anything else to say about Ricky Don't Lose That Number, um, Andrew? The lyrics? <clears throat> uh, not really. I think it's a solid lyric, isn't it? But there's, um, it just hangs together well. I don't think there's yeah. many standout lines where you're like, oh, let's hone in on that. It's just a, it's just a nice, well-written yeah. screed against a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is, uh, to paraphrase a Bob Dylan album title, it's another side of Donald Fagan. You know, I, I feel my my view of him is becoming more rounded. Cause so, yeah, cause and so, I'd cause just so... like to say that I'd, I, I didn't quite make this clear, is that, you know, we always paint this picture of misogynist Fagan, which I don't mm. I don't think is entirely without basis. But um, I, given him the benefit of the doubt, I do think this song came from a nice place. Yeah, but that's a... Well, how... No, how... don't go down the other route now, because you, you were about to praise him. So carry on, tootle back to the praise caravan and I was just gonna say, well... jump on board. No, go back to the nice thing. Go back, say the nice thing about Fagan you were going to say. It, I, he's got sides, hasn't he? He's like a... <laughs> he's like a multi He's like a two-sided <laughs> dice. <laughs> yeah. He's got the snark. He's got the, the occasional moments of emotional vulnerability he's got the snark <laughs> <laughs> he's got the Flip a coin. he's got the sci-fi influence you know he's, yeah. he's, he's more yeah, he's, he's more than the sort of uh, sneering pseudo intellectual twat that i that i that i had him pegged as and i'm so pleased you know what can i say people surprise you and can we also say that um Beck, Walter Becker exists and may have had a hand in writing these lyrics yeah slam Scam. Ollie, I think we know how this is going to play out, but is this song a royal scam, meaning not very good, or a royal slam, meaning very good? No, okay, this is obviously like the Dan song for many people, especially in the, in the States. This is like the one that was all over the radio and still is on certain stations. And I sort of, I did, part of me did consider calling it a soft slam. Wow. Because I'm that contrary Dan fan who doesn't want to like the big hit as much. And, you know, to a certain extent, it is a safe and inoffensive song as far as the Dan goes. Mm. So, so you're yeah, like, you're like the, the, the snobs snob. You're like in a sea of, yeah. in a sea of snobs. You're like, mm, I'm more discerning than these discerning people. <laughs> but also, you know, I think, as I said, as I said earlier, like there's a bit of listener fatigue. Yeah. And I, I just think I've heard this song too much. But listening to it again and just kind of breaking down how well structured it is, which I'm not sure has, has come across in our conversation, like just how beautifully constructed this song is. Yeah. Um, but that's this. This is kind of the the problem of Ricky, isn't it? It's like it's it does what it does so well that it's almost unremarkable in its doing of it. Um, yeah. So I would call it a slam. But uh, but it's not my favourite dance song. But it's a it's a stellar song and it's a very well written song and um, deserves to be number. It deserves to take the first spot on this album. I think. Mm. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, agreed. It's same a, as it's a slam, baby. Uh, I like it a lot. It's a very good song. You're looking at me with a slightly squinty sort of um, I don't know, like teacherly way, as if as if I'm about to. You're you're waiting for me to go back on my praise. No, no, I'm just I I just thought if you had genuine praise, you might have a bit more to say. But to basically, what, what you said is very it's very well structured, <laughs> written, executed. That, that that was what I was getting at with my vibe when I said great. You know, it's like yeah, yeah really good, well done. It's like mm -hmm. that cathedral is well built. You know, but it's not fucking. <laughs> it's not the one in Barcelona. It's like. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. a, that's a yeah. solid bit of architecture. Litchfield, maybe. Yeah, this is the Litchfield Cathedral of the Stevie Dan catalogue thus far, <laughs> and I and I say that with no hesitation. Uh, or if if you were if you if you were a few drinks in mm -hmm. at a, uh, a club night, yeah, and Ricky came on the stereo, would you would you dance? Yeah. 
great. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you I hear if that I... marimba, <laughs> oh, sorry, not marimba, flabimba, whatever Fla- it is. Flapamba. Flapamba. Would you hear that and drag your friends to the dance floor I would in anticipation? Drop my drink on the floor. I would. I would freeze. <laughs> drop my drink on the floor and then just start sashaying <laughs> into the centre of the room and just, and just uh, on my own, just uh, have a little dance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do. I, <clears> when a it, crowd of people would gather around you and clap in unison. Exactly. And then I'd do the limbo. And when the guitar solo started, I would do it like air guitar. <laughs> I mean, looking at what you, that looks like an air ukulele from, from <laughs> yeah, where I'm sitting. Pretty small. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, very good. Promising start to album three. Yeah, let's see where we go from here. Let's. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in, as ever, uh, to Countdown to Exegesis. Uh, please uh, subscribe to our Patreon. If you like us very much, uh, you can do so for as little as like a quid or something, £1.50 or some dollars in American money. Uh, or if for a little bit more, you can hear us talk about Steely Dan rarities, including this all-too-mobile home we've looked at recently, which was... Uh, fun and exciting that was a live only rarity from this very tour from the pretzel logic tour and remember if you give us reviews i will get a tattoo um and you know feel free to send your send in your suggestions so andrew doesn't choose something absolutely god awful <laughs> and embarrassing <laughs> yeah bye bye